Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. It's broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species and 3CR websites and from iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie. Now, if you follow Freedom of Species on social media, you'll know that we really don't dig litter, especially plastic litter and especially plastic litter in the oceans. We bang on about it quite a bit online but in fact, we've been asked to quit carrying on about this issue because allegedly it's not relevant to our central platform of animal advocacy and activism. So for me, that was it. That crossed the line. That was it. I decided that we just had to do a whole show on this issue on about plastics, plastic rubbish in the oceans. So today in the studio, we're joined by Narelle, who is a coordinator of the Melbourne chapter of the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign. Hi, guys. And Nico, who is the founder of Scab Duty. G'day, how are you going? Thank you both for coming on the show. Very good people no to have. Thank you. To Thanks, have Thanks here. for having us. Yeah. It's great. So, Nico, tell me, in your own words, yep. what's the relevance of marine litter to animals? Like, why are you two here on an animal show? So, the way that I see it is um, the dictionary defines animal rights as the rights of animals to live freely from human exploitation or abuse. And I feel like our single-use plastic and what plastics and waste um, that we're using for an average of, say, 12 minutes per plastic water bottle to chip packet or straw is going into the bin, falling out of bins and stuff like that, and then animals are eating it. We're over 100... 100,000 animals every year, marine animals especially, are choking and dying from marine debris. And a lot of that marine debris is starting on land in our streets and up our rivers So, and going out to sea. So I feel like there's a big connection within for plastics and animal rights and there's an environmental there's environment, big environmental issues there and there's huge social justice issues there where poorer communities around the world as well are being subject to quote unquote like first world our first world waste is getting sent over to these places and um, they just don't have ways to uh, recycle or reuse or repurpose these plastics and it just ends up in piles of piles of rubbish along the ground and um yeah, there's some good documentaries I can list off through the show um, for people to check out um, from like cows in India just eating rubbish on the side of the road to um, albatross in the Midway Atoll, which is uh, in the North Pacific, eating all these plastics and feeding their plastics to their young without like just a helpless little chick sitting in a nest that hasn't even left a, 
hasn't even left the nest yet is being subject to this plastic and our waste as well. So I, f- I feel like there's a big tie within that and for, yeah, for uh, animal rights and, yeah, uh, and plastic pollution, definitely. So, Narelle, as with Sea Shepherd, that must be a similar position from Sea Shepherd? Yeah, absolutely. Why, why their involvement in this issue? Absolutely. I mean, as Nico said, like what we may put in the bin or what we think goes into the bin can and we know from the hundreds and thousands of beach cleanups that are conducted we're pulling so much plastic out of our oceans like if we could do a, a just one clean up and pull up to 100 kilos of litter out of the ocean with the 80 percent of that being plastic so and that's only it, one hour like. yeah it's in one hour and yeah. if we're not collecting that out of out of the ocean then there's a fair chance that animals are going to be eating that um it, it, it can end up in the food chain so if you're a if you eat fish you could potentially be eating plastic. So there's another good reason not to eat fish. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's it's um it's a massive issue. Um, we we see entanglement of animals, like on our cleanups. Um, so we. we oh, know, really? Not yeah. even so you don't even have to be out at sea to see no, this entanglement. No, you you see it on the beach. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you see birds entangled in in plastics, and this is happening in our own backyard. Yeah. So it's not just a story. Like you can visibly see these things happening in our cleanups. Yeah. Right. So, do you think that perhaps this link between animals and plastic rubbish isn't articulated clearly enough to the public? Maybe people would start getting more noisy about it if they actually understood the ramifications of of marine debris and the ocean's animals. Yeah, totally. I think um, I think if there was a billboard, if there was enough. I guess that's where money comes in. Yeah. Like if there was a billboard um, that just said Google, like quote unquote Google turtle straw, like that's it. Like, yeah, right. You, yeah, know, yeah. you mean the, w- the word turtle and the, the word, word straw. straw? Google yeah. turtle straw. And then it's just like that. That's yeah. just a big, you know. Or like, bearings and turtles. Totally. What are they? Are they the bearings? You know, the things that, yeah, that hold the beers exactly. together? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's horrible. But I mean, like that's, you or know. Plastic that's, bags and whales. And, and whales. And oh it's God. just, it's horrible. Like um, I feel... I feel a lot's been happening. Like it's not it's not a new issue, but it is an issue that has been getting a lot of legs over these last couple of years. Especially like it's been it's in the news more. It's in okay. um, the like in the media a lot more. It needs to be more. Like yeah. I feel like it needs to be more. You mean like as in the issue, the the link between the two things? Yeah, between definitely. animals and I, I just feel uh, yeah. I just feel like well, I feel like plastic pollution is definitely in the media a lot yes, more now um, as far as the link between the two. Um, yeah. I'm not too sure if it is like that link has been actually put yeah. there, but it is like with all these plastic bag bands and coals and yep. all that are moving away from um, um, Woolworths and stuff are moving away from plastic bags. Um, I feel that that's a positive, but sure. um, yeah, it's, it's an issue that's been, going for a long a long time like since plastic was made people have been saying this is a problem yeah 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 hopefully um it's um gonna reach a, a crisis point soon yeah in terms of it and hopefully it's not too late in terms of its volume <laughs> totally yeah. yeah um narelle i know there's there's lots of chapters of the sea shepherd marine debris campaign around the world yeah they're all picking up a lot of rubbish. Yeah, all picking up lots of rubbish. I mean, depending on what beach it is, there may be some different things. Like, you know, far north of Australia, it could be bigger items that come off off, off ships that are just 
you know, literally tossing their rubbish off the side of the ship. So yeah, right. we're picking up larger items up there and, you know, plastic netting um, to down here in Victoria where we're picking up still lots of plastic bags or remnants of bags and plastic bottles. When you say plastic netting, are you talking about the ghost nets? Yeah, ghost nets, yeah. yeah. Huge problem, huge problem. Now, I, I just heard yesterday so this the figure of something like three tonnes of ghost net per square kilometre of the Coral Sea are being... It wouldn't surprise me Which is just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's... Let me just say that again. Three tonnes of ghost net per square kilometre. It's horrible. In one sea, in the mm. Coral Sea. Yeah, it's just a death net, literally. I mean, imagine the, uh, the, the suffering that's causing mm. everywhere you go. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, so with all these different chapters of the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign around the world, it makes me wonder... What is its genuine objective? Is, is, is the objective to clean up the oceans of its millions or perhaps even billions tonnes of rubbish? We'd love to not be doing it. Like that's our <laughs> ultimate goal is to not be doing it. So like our aim is um, obviously we, we, we do need to do it at the moment and for the foreseeable future we will also need to. But we collect a lot of data when we're doing cleanups. That data is exceedingly important when we start to you know, go towards... Um, talk to the government members or MPs and try to push change through. So without any significant data, it's really difficult to, you know, to say, look, you know, we need action on these these items because it's a massive problem. Um, but we, we'd we love to, you know, stop um, plastic at the source if that's, if that's possible. I remember watching Sesame Street as a little kid and seeing the segments where each town service, like each municipal service, was profiled and explained to little kids. So I'm talking little, you know, Sesame Street. So yeah. I've got a, I've got a bad memory at the best times. But I just remember <laughs> this. My memory's quite good at this. So this is going back a long time. And one of the segments on Sesame Street was New York's waste management, and how the rubbish, how all the all this city's rubbish was taken out to sea each day on this massive, massive barge and just dumped yeah. at sea. Just where's wow. that? The North Atlantic. Yeah. Just yeah. pushed out to sea. So this was back in the nineteen seventies, um, and which I think it, I think it might have was finally completely phased out by the eighties or nineties. Yeah. But so this wasn't this wasn't illegal dumping. This was the standard That's process for New York City, mm. this massive massive city of massive massive consumerism, and that was demonstrated to kids on Sesame Street. And it made that made a really big impression on me. Even then, I the must I don't know how my little brain worked then, but I must have just gone, "Wow, mm. they're just all this rubbish is yeah. being what an interesting way to dispose of rubbish." Mm. My brain was saying, "What an interesting, interesting way to get rid of all your rubbish and take it out on a barge and dump it." It's still happening now, like around the world yeah. on islands and in, sh- in the middle of archipelagos and stuff. I'm like sure that. it yeah. is. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. It's just. I guess it was just astonishing that. That's how New York City dealt with their rubbish right. until quite quite recently. recently. Yeah. And so I just wonder, man, how is the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign and all your other um, associated organisations, how are they ever going to clean up even the historical rubbish, yeah. let alone all the rubbish <clears throat> that's generated <clears throat> excuse me, every day? And I think the stats are something like a million plastic bags are mm. used every is it every every minute and a, a million plastic bottles are generated every minute? So, and you know, and you see those viral little clips online about, you see um, rivers in Africa and Asia that are just, 
just oh. dense of yeah. plastic. You can't even see the water. It's just dense. And so they've got no means of getting rid of it, right? So how yeah. how how is how are these beach cleanups going to? Yeah. The problem is so enormous, even historically, let alone currently. How is Sea Shepherd going to get across this? Yeah, and I mean, we're up against it because, you know, they're saying even for container deposit scheme, it's cheaper for people just to, like, throw stuff out and it's cheaper to import a bottle and then recycle one in Australia. So, you know, it's industry makes it very difficult, but then... We just sort of have to, to keep fighting that because we're producing plastic. It's just out of control, the production levels at the moment, and we can't sustain it. Like, the, the world really can't sustain where we're going. Um, but, again, it's just, you know, we, we have to keep fighting with government, um, keep fighting with industry. And it's not just Sea Shepherd. It's it's number of groups that, you know, all together as an alliance um, are sort of, like, working towards, you know, trying to reduce things at the source and reduce, you know, stop plastic straws from being produced. So... And getting the community on board, you know, for things that we don't we don't need, single use items specifically that we do not need. So yeah, a lot of people are, might criticise Sea Shepherd and and those other campaigns for um, for concentrating for what appears to be concentrating on beach cleanups rather than tackling the source, which are the manufacturers. So what what is Sea Shepherd doing? At the source. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that obviously, you know, we, we do work with governments. We have presented in front of the Victorian government with regards to spe- specifically with the plastic bag ban. Um, we do work, we're working at the moment for when there's a bill introduced into Parliament for a container deposit scheme. So it's, you know, these things probably that we're not promoting a lot. There's a lot of activities that happen again behind the scene and I think the way that the beach cleanups are more just so we can get the community involved in actually physically doing something so I mean we have a lot of campaigns you know we have our ships and not everyone can get involved and go on a ship and sail around the world and do any poaching but they can do a cleanup and it's a really good way to educate people and get the whole community involved in something. And then just seeing it coming out to a cleanup and just seeing the the volume of rubbish that we're pulling off the beach in one hour is like stays with you like and like to go then after that like usually at these cleanups we talk about like single-use waste be aware of the stuff that we're picking up and then like go to the supermarket and have a look and just have a look at like how long is this straw going to last how long is this bag going to last how long is this if i consume it like can i repurpose it probably Mm -hmm. not so like i think it's a really good tool to actually bring people out of the cities mm. and and to the beach and just say well yeah you know even on the street we're trying to promote that as well like just clean up your streets and there's groups around mm. port phillip bay um love your street and love your neighborhood and stuff like that along with like beach patrol and stuff who mm. are doing cleanups but um and the ones down the creeks you know down the, the creeks. creeks. yeah that's yep. right yeah yeah definitely uh, yeah. yeah um but you're right because i've been to a couple of beach cleanups and i didn't know what to expect the first time mm. but I was just staggered. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming because even you can sit on one patch of beach without moving. Like you could pretty much, you know, sit cross-legged on a beach Mm. and within arm's reach you could be there for for the whole allotted hour or two within within a single arm's reach if you're going to pick up all those little bits of plastic Mm because all those little bits, tiny bits of plastic are just as bad or worse than the big bits of plastic. It's Yeah, it's like someone described it to me, um, we – Scab Duty were doing and Sea Shepherd um, Marine Debris were doing a lot of cleanups and we're still doing uh, we've got a clean up next week at um, Jawbone in William it is at Jawbone yeah, Williamstown, Williamstown. Yeah. yeah Jawbone next week 
and we've been going there for like four or five yeah, years. Right. Someone explained, came out to one of our cleanups and explained it. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting where you step back and you have a look and then you've just got like bottles and yeah. bags and all these other stuff. And then the closer you get, you've got like exactly the same painting the closer you get and you've got like these tiny little fragments of plastic yeah. and all these and it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and yeah. it's just like yeah it's, it's full right. on you can you can just stay in one spot and we've had people picking up like um little nurdles and microplastics yeah. and stuff like that just in one area and we had a little yeah. nurdle team picking up these um little plastics as well so it's um yeah, it's, it's full on. <laughs> I've, I've done the jawbone yeah. pickup once and yep. jawbone was really interesting because it's not like a classically sandy beach because mm. there's rocks and there's bush sort of like sea that bush. That salt bush, yeah. That salt bush growing across and it sort of – and that really catches the litter too. It, does, it, it sort it? of yeah. just acts like a net. And then I just – you could be picking up all this rubbish through all the through all the – the bush and under the rocks and you only have to kind of make kind of one sort of swipe motion with your hand to get mm. the, the top centimetre right. off and then there's a whole new there's level layer, yeah. Yeah. and you think how bloody hell how all deep that, is this going to go down all that seaweed so you've got all the swans and the bird life like yeah. eat, eating all the seaweed so there's a lot of weed and it's really tight all that whole area yeah. around jawbone so there's a lot of weed that washes up on the, the high tides and the king tides and the king goes, tides oh my which god goes, which goes past the um, salt bush and um We've got yeah, we've had projects being down there concentrate tr- concentrating on that with friends of Williamstown Wetlands yeah, and right. the Way to Beach project, um, which was part of the Little Hotspots program to really try and focus and raise awareness about um, where because it's not it's not a beach, it's a conservation reserve, mm. so it's not like mm. accessible by yep. the public. It's out yeah. of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So this isn't rubbish that has been like dropped, like people like beachgoers are dropping. It's this, been brought in. This is washing yeah. up. So yeah. and the studies that we've seen from this area as well has all been coming from. So so Port Phillip Bay is I guess like a gyre as well, and it all goes um, clockwise around the bay. So the the litter out of the Yarra goes to St Kilda, Port Melbourne, and goes around. And then a lot of the rubbish that's coming in to Jawbone in Williamstown in that. Um, marine sanctuary there is coming in from the western shoreline like all along the western shoreline so which is around um yeah so from like werribee point cook and stuff like that as well so altona as well so um and it's all it's all tidal and yeah every every week we like scab duty we're out there every single week doing regular cleanups just doing the focus wasn't on beach cleanups it was if we don't pick it up from the street this is where it's going to end up. So mm. it wasn't like we weren't making big announcements over those cleanups or anything like that. It was just more just a little community of friends and family and anyone who wanted to get involved. We'd go out there regularly and collect data as well, similar to the um, the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris um, campaign, and would feed that data into the Tangaroa Blue um, Marine Debris um, Initiative database as well, right. which Tangaroa Blue are working um, all around Australia with um, um, lots of different campaigns and with the container deposit scheme and um, Operation Clean Sweep, which is working with um, manufacturers of um, plastic pallets and noodles and stuff like that. Um, and for the listen, for the listeners that don't know what uh, noodles are, they're little tiny resin pallets which are smaller than five mil and what they are, um, they they pretty much make everything that is plastic. So um, their manufacturer, there's a couple of manufacturers around 
um, around Melbourne, around Port Phillip Bay, and there was a lot of there was a lot of poor handling from transportation, like from the transportation to them, and also in the manufacture of them as well. Um, so there was a lot of spillages that was happening, and a lot of that stuff, the practices were to just hose them down and wash down the drain, and like <laughs> just to get them down the drain. So we would have. Jawbone's a big hotspot for them, but there's a, a few. You, you could pretty much go any beach around Port Phillip Bay, actually around the world, and you could find these. They look like little rocks, little tiny white rocks and yellow and black rocks. But then um, you, you look closer and they're actually plastic. And because they're petroleum-based, they're magnets for all other sort of toxins and stuff like that yeah. in the water as well. So they look like little fish eggs swimming on, like sitting on top of the water, Birds are eating them, fish are eating them as well, and then that sort of that toxicity in the in the noodle biomagnifies and goes up the food chain. And like Norel was saying, like it's you know if people are eating fish and local fishermen yeah. are eating them as well, that's um, they're going to be consuming it as well. And that that toxicity level is has been shown and proven. Like science has showing that toxicity coming from the plastics as well. So I would have thought uh, those tiny little noodles, because they're so small and smooth and yeah. they look kind of non-dangerous that they might just pass through the animal or they don't. Yeah. They, no, well, they yeah, that they still, yeah, they're still finding them in, in the animal as well. Right. So, yeah, you would hope so. I'll, yeah, you would hope so. So, but, um, yeah, it is, and it's still that toxicity that's inside of them as well. So there are sort of the yelp, like if you ever go out to a clean-up or if you yeah go down the beach, have a look at the high tide line, the last high tide line, yeah. you can sort of walk along that and usually find them there. So what, they're not, they're coloured, they're not clear? Um, they are clear. If they're new, they're clear. When they're, when they're sort of yellow, it's there's more toxins in them. Like they're yep. never like made sort of yellow, that's yep. my understanding. Um, and... They are. They're just. They've been floating around, and they've just attracted more sort of like oils and different sort right. of stuff from the bay in there as well. So I remember hearing about a noodle spill in Asia somewhere, and there were pictures online, Hong and Kong, it looked like it, was, mm, yeah. it looked like a hailstorm on yeah. a beach. It was like snow, like yeah, dunes right. of snow. Yeah. yeah, it was enormous, yeah. and they were bringing in diggers to try and to dig them out. But you know, even if they get out, even if they dig out ninety-five percent of it, they're still. Totally. There's going to be just... Where, where's the rest of it gone? There's still Even all those little around. bits, those yeah. tiny little bits that you cannot clean a place up 100%. Well, they did have a noodle spill in Warrnambool last November spill. and they're still picking them up now. Where did it spill from? How did noodles spill? It Where... went into um, the water treatment plant. So someone's obviously disposed of them illegally through the water treatment plant. What, filters... You mean like flushed them down the toilet yeah, or something? Yeah, so I, I believe it... Or down a drain. It would still be under investigation. but And they actually, the water um, treatment plant, the screens weren't... Um, small enough to stop them going out into the ocean. So they were just um, pretty much pumped out into the ocean. And, yeah, to go down there and look, oh, I spent what? The, the groups are amazing, like the community that got behind and were, you know, going down hand, on hands and knees, picking yeah. up all these noodles because they just went everywhere. And are I you think, talking millions? We're talking millions. Yeah, right. I you, mean, you can have a million in this, like, little three-metre by three-metre room. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and it's yeah. just like... And, and, and you'd only <laughs> and you'd, it'd only be as high as your toe. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's yeah. They're, they're, they're tiny and it's it's crazy, like, how, yeah, okay. like, you know... The, the yeah, you are was. literally on hands and knees, just picking them up one by one. Cause... So how successful was this Warrnambool clean-up? Still ongoing. 
Wow. But you don't know. Like, I mean, the thing is, like, once they're out and you know that the ocean down there can, especially when it's windy and um, they could be taken anywhere along the coastline because it is tiny. And the wind was, the day I was down there, the wind was blowing quite strong. So they're just getting blown along the beach. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's to, to think that they're still picking them up and that wasn't, like, what anyone would term a major spill. Um, yeah. So what, what, why do nurdles exist? What are they what, what are they there for? They're the base component of plastic items. Okay. So, yeah. So anything like It's like from, the feedstock of yeah. plastic. Yeah. yeah so okay. they're, they're like, say, from car parts. I know there's a car part manufacturer um, along uh, Stony Creek, which is in um, Yarraville around, yep. around the back there, and there's a big, yep. there's a big spill that yep. sort of happened down there as well. And um, Sea Shepherd and Scab Duty have done cleanups with, like, alongside Parks Victoria and stuff like that to try and clean up these areas and stuff as well. Um, so these, but these are made by these are petroleum products. These are yeah. So are they made by oil refineries or where, where do they come from? Um, there is a manufacturer, um, like an actual manufacturer of Australia, which is um, I'm allowed to say where they are. Like we're not talking about. Uh, <laughs> Let's say it rhymes with. <laughs> no, you can say me, no. <laughs> no, you can no. So, yeah. the, so there are local manufacturers. Local, local manufacturer okay. in Altona that, okay. that makes them as well, and there's a resin resin yeah, okay. pallet factory, and there's at the back of that factory, there's lots of pallets and stuff like that. Yeah, but right, Tangaroa okay. Blue are work, like working alongside these okay. companies to say, hey, like like putting these measures to yeah. for transportation instead of blowing them down the drain. How about you use a vacuum to <laughs> vacuum? it up because this is profit loss as well and these companies are losing this is profit like this is what they're selling this is their this is their what they're making so um it's in their best interest not to like as far as like yeah yeah, it's any big environmental issue and they should be every like company should be concerned for that but it's also like companies aren't really very environmental it's all about profit so it's just like it is profit loss for them so that's where tangaroa blue are like sort of leading that operation clean sweep to try and um to try and minimize these spills and um yeah they're doing an excellent job out there as well Mm, so it is um yeah i'm not yeah i'm not sure with the where they're at with the um warnable stuff but no. yeah i'm not too sure either i think yeah. it's yeah we, we don't know who was responsible for it it'd be it'd be great if they continue that investigation to mm. find out who was actually responsible and they got fined for for doing it so yeah and that's the, but that's the thing as well like i don't think like i'm all for like community getting in there and like pushing like pushing the law on community on the the offenders and stuff like that but i just feel like um, these fines aren't big enough for these companies mm. that are doing the damage. Definitely. And, and I've had I've had it before where there was a refrigeration company um, cutting polystyrene, making a fridge for this shop, and I walked past it like one day, and I'm just like, wow, this is horrible, and it looked like snow out the front, and I'm just like, I was really busy, and I'm just like, yeah. I can't do anything about it, and I'm just like, on the way home, I seen it; they were still there, and. It, was still snowing out the front with how much yeah. polystyrene was everywhere. And I went in there, I'm like, hey, man, like that's this is this is not on. Like yep. That's going to go straight down the drain. It's like, oh, we'll clean it up at the end of the job. And I'm just like, don't you have a vacuum? Anyway, yeah. I, I went into the shop and I got a vacuum from the shop owner and I went out there and it's like, here's the vacuum. I was like, yeah, we'll do it later. I'm like, I don't have 
time for this. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up vacuuming it up really quickly. I'm just like, look, you if, awesome. if you don't, if you don't clean it up, if you, if it's yeah. back here tomorrow, I'm going to yeah. call the council about yeah. this, and they will issue a fine about yeah. it. And it was, it was straight away the next day. It was back, and there was polystyrene absolutely mm. everywhere. Um, I mean, it took me five minutes out of my day to just go and talk to these mm. people and. Um, the council ended up coming down and um, EPA ended up coming down as well and they got, it was like a $400 fine. I'm just like, like is, isn't a cigarette butt, like mm-hmm. flicking a cigarette butt out the mm-hmm. window, like around like $250 mm-hmm. fine? Like what? what's this for a company? Like that air condition, like the refrigeration that they would have done, that probably would have cost like $30,000 or $40,000 to install into the shop. What is $200? What's $300? Like that's, the fines aren't there and it should be, yep. it's yeah. not like, it's not a deterrent. It's not a deterrent, mm-hmm. and it's a, a, it's just a little slap on the wrist. Like yeah. it's not anything. So yeah. I don't know what they're doing now, what that yeah. company's doing now. But like, you know, yeah. I hope karma's caught them. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me what headway is being made in Australia with the the new um, plastic bag bans, both legislatively and voluntarily? I think, um, I think from well, for Victoria, like we know, as of well last week, Woolworths. Um, had their ban for single-use plastic bags, or lightweight single-use plastic bags. Um, I think Coles is coming up very soon, like end of month. Um, the government announced in October last year like a ban on plastic bags, but we haven't actually seen any further information around what does that actually, what does that legislation actually entail. So is it just single-use lightweight plastic bags, heavier-weight plastic bags? Is there anything else included in that legislation? So... Again, like we know the government announced it, but we just haven't got the details around it, which we'd we'd really like to see. Um, New South Wales at this stage have nothing, like so they're right. not they don't have anything coming in to ban plastic bags. So, it, which is interesting because um, yeah. they've got a con, um, container deposit scheme, but nothing for plastic bags. So um, there's been mixed reaction to banning you know, the plastic bags in Victoria, as we've seen in the media in the past week. You know, some people find it's an inconvenience. But, again, that comes down to also that education around, well, do they actually know where these plastic bags end up? You know, have they gone to a beach clean and picked mm. up all the plastic bag remnants? And it's really not a difficult thing. It's just a behaviour change. Um, and I think, you know, people will get used to it, like everything mm. else. Yeah, you like know? everything else. It was an outcry when we had to wear seatbelts in cars. Well, yeah. And look, you know, my God, that was going to save lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what an outrage. And look, South Australia and like there's other places that have been doing this for, for quite some time. And, you know, you speak to some people from South Australia, they, you know, coming across to Melbourne, Victoria, going, oh, you've got so many plastic bags in the gutter and mm. like they're stuck on fences mm. and it's just disgusting. It is and disgusting. So, look, as I said, like it's early days and, again, it takes a bit of time to, to change people's behaviour and, you know, just get yourself a fancy reusable bag and be an individual. Yeah. It's always a good thing. <laughs> Too easy. What about the headway being made with um, drinking straws, <clears throat> excuse me, drinking straws and the balloon releases? Because there's been a lot of, um, you know, at least online um, campaigning to do with that. But are there solid results being made in that area? There's a lot of places now that will either 
not give you a plastic straw, which is great. They've taken them off the bench. So you actually, if you really want one, you have to ask for them. So I think it's it's yeah, it's becoming non-fashionable to have plastic straws now. A lot of people are buying like the reusable metal straws or the bamboo straws. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, I mean, we'd like to, I think it was, a, is it Coles or Woolworths that's going to stop selling the plastic straws? I oh, yes. Yeah, I think both. Think yeah, both yeah. So, stop. you know, I mean, for that, I mean, we've certainly got a few fast food organisations that we pick up a lot of straws from yeah. at every at every clean-up and we'd like to see a little bit more action there. Um, but, look, again, it comes down to community pressure as well on organisations. And, you know, if it's a local cafe or if it's a restaurant or, you know, just having a bit of a conversation with them about their, their single-use plastic straws if they've still got them. But, yeah, there's definitely a movement away from them. I've heard WA is making noises about banning plastic straws too, yeah, which and, is great. And there's a lot – I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know um, – I suppose cities and that overseas that are doing it a lot of states overseas that are actually banning plastic straws now Mm. so there's going to be like a bit of a blueprint for people to follow um, to see how successful or or not they are but look most people that I talk to they just don't even they don't problem is they don't think about it and next minute there's a plastic straw in their drink so you know what too I think with plastic straws people think well I'm going to dispose of it properly yeah so they put it in the bin which is the proper place to put it but then things like plastic straws, which are tiny, like plastic bags, you can dispose of them properly and they make their way to landfill. And if you go to any landfill site, you see the amount of rubbish that blows off yeah. of landfill. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, the amount of birds just sitting the on birds top of and, mm. and these are even landfills here in around Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. Just because it goes to landfill doesn't mean it's even 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 – um, best case scenario is it being buried underground as, as outrageous as that is mm. but it's, it's not even making that it's getting it's getting blown in right. away off the landfill site and if it's anywhere near the ocean or anywhere yeah. near a waterway yeah you can dispose of it properly and it still ends up in the ocean yeah, yeah. You don't and that's in and that's in you know victoria and australia that's, that's in Victor- yeah exactly you know, and like there's these places all yeah. around the world I, I just got back from africa and it was just like yeah it was horrible the streets were just lined with plastic Dub- yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely yeah. let's have a um a break for a song. Now you've chosen a song, Narelle. I have. So yeah, so it's one of our lovely Sea Shepherd supporters, Caravana Sun, and they wrote Whale Song, and I just think it's a pretty beautiful song, um, and we we really appreciate their support. That was Caravana Sun uh, with a song called Whale Song. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. We're talking with Nico from Scab Duty and Narelle from Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign. And we're talking about the impacts of plastic litter in the ocean. Now, Nico, why did you start Scab Duty when there were already, you know, multiple outfits doing the same thing around Australia? So... When I started Scab Duty um, with some friends back in, it was like the end of 2013. And at the time, um, I didn't know of any other groups doing this. I didn't know of councils doing anything about plastics or anything like that. And um, I noticed there was a lot of rubbish washing up along the shores around Newport, um, which is uh, on the western side of the Westgate Bridge on... um, the yeah in in melbourne um near williamstown and 
so yeah, a group of friends of mine, um, we would just go down there on a Sunday and just start picking up rubbish along the shoreline. And we ended up doing um, nine weeks out there um, and yeah, just cleaning up. And then we reached out to um, like Melbourne Water to see what they were doing about it and Parks Victoria to see what they were doing about it, to see what council was doing about it. And at the time, everyone was sort of just pointing the finger, oh, the the mm. water is Parks Victoria's problem and, oh, the, that's Melbourne Water's problem. Yeah. And then um, we had um, people from, like, they were all very concerned about it, but it was just sort of a little bit more of a pointing the finger. Then we reached out to um, um, the Port Phillip Eco Centre, um, which is in St Kilda, and Neil Blake, the bay keeper, ended up coming out to some cleanups and gave us some guidance in collecting data and stuff like that, that we could use the data to start lobbying and showing um, the public about um, what's actually happening around the bays. And we started, I guess, analysing the rubbish and the stuff that we're picking up. There's a lot of parking tickets. There was a lot of parking <laughs> tickets that were washing up along that warmies. It was uh, The warmies is where the power station is and it's all the warm water that sort of comes out near the Yarra. It's pretty much the mouth of the Yarra River um, right there. So it was a... like. For us, it was a pretty interesting spot to see this is Melbourne's trash before it actually gets out to, um, before it actually gets out into the bay and everything like that. So, the amount of parking tickets also um, made me more curious about where this trash is coming from as well. Like, it's not just coming from the street where there's a school across the road. Okay, there were some primers and straws and like all little kids sort of lunch sort of stuff but also like these parking tickets were coming from like the Stonington Council these parking tickets were coming from um way up the Yarra River and it's just like this is like trash is traveling and I wasn't Mm. like yes I was environment I was environmentally aware about things I wasn't I wasn't vegetarian at the time that this started and I wasn't vegan at the time that this started like I was I was aware but I didn't know what I could do about it. Even our cleanups, first cleanups, like we were going out with plastic bags and putting all the rubbish into plastic bags and would go get a coffee and we'd have our single-use coffee cups and we realised like, hey, look, this is like, look at all these coffee cups we're picking up and then like slowly we made that progression and I a friend bought me a keep cup like around that time as well and I use this keep cup every day since and I haven't, it's pretty easy like to just take my keep cup for my coffee and stuff like that. So... When it started, it was more about the individual and less about a group being part of a group. And it was more, and it's still about um, scab duty is a movement just to raise awareness about plastic pollution, um, take pride of your local neighbourhood and pick up after yourself. But also, if all, like Tango Old Blue also have a saying, if all we do is pick up rubbish all the time, that's all we're ever going to do. So we need to try and stop it at the source. And the source is lobbying governments and stuff like that, but also avoiding it in shops and mm. to try and stop it from getting out into the waterways and falling out of bins. So um, to start, like, yeah, to start an organisation when there already were organisations, I found some of my best friends through this as well now, like where um, there was, yeah, there wasn't, at the time there wasn't any groups that we found but um now it's sort of like has been a bit of a journey into finding lots of different groups and Port Phillip Bay has an awesome community of people doing um stuff against plastic pollution but I still 
don't think it's enough. <laughs> There's still a lot more that we can all do as individuals and trying to raise that awareness and stuff like that as well. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic initiative. Now, um, I'm aware that in the US and in Britain that there's plastic manufacturing lobbyists that lobby against plastic bag bans and fees, and often they're, they're successful. They, they've actually managed to block some um, p- progress made on, on in this area, which I find amazing, you know, to be actually pro-litter. That's, yeah. that's something special, isn't it, to be actually pro-rubbish in the oceans. Yay, let's, let's put rubbish in the oceans. It's awesome. So does, does Australia have similar plastic manufacturing lobbyists and are they a force to be reckoned with here or is that something uniquely American and I don't European? Think we've, I don't think we've had such a, a, a dramatic issue with it in Australia. Like not that I've, I've become aware of. Yeah, yeah, not that I've become aware of. I think it was more the supermarkets going like, well, you know, Cole's saying, well, look, you know, if Woolworths ban it, well, we'll ban it. So they want to be like on an equal playing field, so yeah, to speak, right. so they can't go, well, these these customers can get their free single-use plastic bags. So, so it had to be like for like when they were banning them. Um, but, yeah, not for plastic bags. We don't really have lobby groups, maybe more for the plastic bottles and right okay yeah container deposit we might be up against it a little bit more there um but again that's economics that comes into it there and how they can lobby the government these big organizations but you know again community pressure for what they want um sort of makes some of these industries think again and that's why we've got the plastic bags banned out of supermarkets yeah great now it was big news earlier this year when china stopped importing the world's waste for recycling and I understand that caused something of a crisis for Australia's waste management systems, understandably. Yeah. What impact has this had on plastic litter in the marine environment that you've seen? Or is, is it too early to say yet? Or is it? do you think there's going to be impacts? I think if we, if we don't come up with like innovative solutions as to how to deal with our waste because I mean there was the councils that were saying well look you know what we were collecting in our recycling bins that's just going to go into landfill now um, and that's not really acceptable because these are resources and these resources you know they can be reused or repurposed into something so um, and again as you know if you're, you're you're putting your rubbish out into your bin and you're putting it out as a recycling you expect that, that that's going to be recycled mm. not put into landfill so I think um, I know, like in Victoria, like the government's investing money in into like you know solutions. But we should have been thinking about this a long time ago. Like this isn't just news that like all of a sudden China's just gone. I'm not sorry, we're not accepting it. Yeah, it was on the cards for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So we should have had programs in in place a lot earlier. We've got exceedingly smart people in Australia. We've got you know good technology. We just need you know the government to support investment in into you know how we can look up look after our own rubbish which we should always be doing we shouldn't yeah. be shipping off anything anywhere else absolutely now from time to time i hear of some new initiative or innovation aimed at cleaning up the the gyres in the ocean like there's the, the big there's a massive one in the pacific ocean um the pacific gyre um it's a god almighty massive cloud of rubbish in the middle of um in, or in the pacific's water column yeah are any of these numerous projects making any significant progress i don't know if we've i don't know if they've been in anything's been done enough at this point in time to know whether they they'll be successful or not so and again it depends on how how deep they're going collecting this rubbish like are they are they cleaning up the top 20 centimeters or because mm. you know the plastics filter all the way down to the bottom so it'll look at at least potentially something's being done 
again, we'd prefer it not to even be in the ocean and being being caught in that manner. But yeah, I think um, time will tell whether or not how successful they are and what they actually do with that rubbish once they've they've collected it as well. Like where does it go and how does mm. that get repurposed if it's repurposed? Are any of those initiatives that are occurring are any are any of them standout ones for you? Uh, the ocean cleanup is. Um his name Boyan Slate I think his name was the, was young, a, the young, young the young guy yeah. yeah so he's I'm pretty sure his has just launched um, okay. that big um, sort of boom in the water oh where that floating boom that floating the boom yeah. with the net that they're picking up a lot of that rubbish now I'm not too sure exactly where that is but you can go to um, Boyan uh, sorry uh, you can go to oceancleanup.org I'll just google it but yeah I think it's oceancleanup.org and that's okay. Yeah, we'll keep you updated with that. Yeah, so, that's interesting yeah. to see because yeah. there's a few different things going on and I'm mm. hoping maybe collectively they can actually make yeah. some impact. Yeah. What's the other one, the sea bins that are in? Yeah, sea bins, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sort of float on the top and yeah. suck up the – Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's just such a lo- minutely localised impact, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. tiny. Mm. Yeah. And it only picks up. It the little up the bits, floating stuff. The yeah, floating yeah, stuff that are small. Right. It's and like that, a floating I mean, like, ash. It's like a floating ashtray. Yeah, right. It totally <laughs> isn't is, isn't yeah. it? It's a pool filter. Like, it's, it's a pool it's, filter. It's the same, yeah. same thing as a pool filter. And it's the yeah. same size. Yeah, it's a similar sort of thing to a pool filter, yeah. like a vortex, which just sucks in Which that, is that good water. for cleaning up, like, marinas. Mm. Right. But for cleaning up the Pacific gyre, you're going to need a hell of a lot of sea bins. Now, Narelle, I know that you're... Um, you've got another hat. I do have another hat, yes. And that is, um, you're the coordinator of Stop Adani here in Melbourne. Yes. So what's the connection between, why is Sea Shepherd involved in the um, collaborative campaign to Stop Adani, which is the, the, um, the Carmichael mine in Queensland? Why are they involved in that? What's, what's the relationship to the marine environment and, and the marine animals? Yeah, so we're part of like a, an overall alliance um, and look, the impact for us is, so there's a couple of impacts. So um, if, if the coal mine went ahead, there'd be up to 500 um, coal ships um, going in and out of like the Great Barrier Reef. So for us, you know, for one of those coal ships to have an incident, um, that's going to have a, a huge impact on the marine environment. Um, I'm not saying that they're they're disposing of anything overboard, but if they did as well, like if they're putting rubbish overboard, then again, like especially around the reef or anywhere on that ship's travels across the ocean, because we're not just talking like the Sea Shepherd's not just like talking about the Great Barrier Reef that's impacts. We're talking about we look after the oceans or we're concerned about the ocean overall. Um, So like anywhere in the ocean, if if something happens to one of those coal-carrying ships, and there's potential, you know, negative um, consequence on on the ocean, and we don't need it. So that's 500, you know, ships that we do not need to be in the ocean potentially with a risk. Um, the other thing is like that coal. If it's actually burnt, like we know that the sea temperature is going to rise. We know that coral bleaching is a huge problem on the reef at the moment. And again, sea temperature rising is not just going to be isolated to the impact on the Great Barrier Reef. It's impacting the the oceans and around the world. Um, so, as, as you know, we're concerned about marine health. Um, anything to do with, you know, warming of the oceans is going to have a detrimental effect. So that's why we we joined the Alliance and we're exceedingly passionate about stopping this mine going ahead. Cool. I, I know too those 500 ships have a massive impact um, on carbon emissions just yes. on their own. Yeah. Um, 
shipping transport is one of the most pollutive, or like possibly the most pollutive form of transport on the planet. And it's to date, it's sort of managed to fly under the radar somewhat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is a devastating impact it's on just, carbon emissions. Yeah. It's just, it's just unbelievable that we're still having to to fight against this one, um, considering like nothing stacks up economically or environmentally. Doesn't make sense so, at all. You know, but we'll we'll keep fighting until it's it's you know it's done. Awesome. Now, tell us what we all can do to help stem this tide of rubbish in the oceans because I mean we all know not to litter so we can sort of we can tick that box we know that but beyond that what are the what are strong positive actions that we can take I think minimize your single-use plastics so Mm -hmm. you know um, just get in the habit of like yeah have your reusable cup have your reusable water bottle have a reusable straw if you need a straw. Um, make sure that, yeah, you do carry around, like you, you've got a bag with you, um, reusable cutlery. There's so many amazing items that you can you can carry with you that mean that you do not need to use single-use plastics. In the supermarket, I mean, they may have got rid of like the single-use light plastic bags, but when you go shopping for your fruit and vegetables... They put them in like little mandarins just, in little yeah, bags Yeah, bananas do not need a plastic bag. No. Um, you know, there's, a lot of things don't. But you can also get, like I've seen a lot of people use this old curtain material to, you know, make up their own little mm. bags for their fruit and vegetables. Yeah. You know, they're very lightweight or I think it's Anya sell really good ones that are so lightweight that it's, yep. it's the same as a plastic bag and you can just put them in your fridge when you get home or wherever. But, yeah, you don't need those lightweight plastic bags whatsoever. Even so. with like cling wrap and stuff like that, you put them in Tupperware containers or like reusable containers or say if you want to get Indian food or something like that, you can tell them like don't don't box it up. Like you can take your containers oh, yeah, so cool. there's Indian. Like, and yeah, I, nice. I, we do that all the time. So, That's great. Yeah, it's um, – yeah. I've seen um, in supermarkets, I've seen uh, things like mandarins and oranges that have been peeled – Mm. They haven't been segmented. They've been peeled and then put in yeah. a plastic container. Yeah. It's like that they needed their own packaging. It's like you've just removed its own packaging yeah. and put it in plastic packaging. I, I mean, yeah. that's insanity. It's just so much like, you know, it's like that, you know, you can't seem to like cut cauliflower yourself anymore. You can't, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it's all. Half enough. avocados. In yeah. It's all done for you. I know. But, and the problem is like if, if the demand stops for it, then those products won't be there. But as long as people are purchasing them, the supermarkets think there's a demand and they'll keep producing them. So we need to just stop demanding those items. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'd also encourage everybody to go and see their new documentary, Albatross. Um, I did mention this on last week's show, but I say it again because it is an amazing documentary that is um, a piece of art. And it was made by Chris Jordan. He's availed it for free on the condition that people can see it for free. So go along, find a screening and see this movie for free. It'll blow you away. It is, And it's about um, the seabirds on Midway Island in the Pacific um, or Midway Atoll. Midway Atoll, yeah. And it's amazing. And after you see it, you'll want to, you'll want to tell other people about it and you'll want to screen it for other people. Mm. So you can download it. You can get a copy of Albatross and you can host your own community screening to get the word out and that's just off their website it is off their website it's amazing so just go and find it so there's there's some screenings coming up um this week that i'm going to tell you about in a minute and also i'd encourage everyone to get involved with the sea shepherd marine debris campaign they have their own facebook page with heaps of events all over australia all the time go along pick up some rubbish and it's sounds onerous and it's not it's actually really interesting 
and they don't crack the whip. You can just sit, you can be as cruisy as you like and chat with other people there. And it's really a really interesting, enjoyable experience, we funnily fun. enough. It's a good way to meet we people as well. Yeah, yeah. It is fun. it's nice. It's yeah. really it's really nice. And it'll just awaken you to the scale of the problem. So get along. Um, yeah, so Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign and Scab Duty are both on Facebook. So thank you both, Nico no and Narelle, for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. It's yeah, fantastic totally. to talk yeah, to you fun. both. And you've chosen a song. Yes. What's this, this um, one? So this is at a uh, local... Oh, you know what? Hang on. Yeah, go on. Yep. Let me just change right. this. Right. Let me just do the community announcements yeah, and we'll go, go out it. with the song, go okay? Yeah. All right. So um, so these, the albatross that I just talked about, that that's going to be screening in Woolloomooloo in Sydney, in Huskinson, Hus, Huskisson in New South Wales and in Yallingup in WA over the course of the next week. Um, you'll, you can um, search albatross on Facebook in the events tab and you'll find those um, otherwise they will be on the freedom of species facebook page um, there's going to be the documentary kangaroo is going to be screening at bondi pavilion on friday the 29th of june the dominion documentary is screening for free at kelvin grove in brisbane on saturday the 30th of june and unity will be screening in darlinghurst in sydney on thursday the 28th of june the sea shepherd marine debris campaign are having beach cleanups at um, on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, Williamstown, that's at Jawbone in Victoria, Hobart, South Cronulla and Albany in WA. There's going to be a beach clean-up also at Burns Beach in Perth next sun- Sunday the 1st of July. Uh, that's being hosted by the Coastal Clean-Up Crew. Um, now, the, the the ones I mentioned by Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign, um, they're over the course of the next this, this week we're going into. Details of those will be on... Um, the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign Facebook page and on ours. Uh, Adelaide Scuba are holding a dive day at Glenelg North near Adelaide to collect debris. So it's an underwater uh, marine debris pickup that's on Saturday, June the 30th for all you scuba divers. Anonymous for the Voiceless are holding Cubes of Truth Street Outreach in Sydney CBD and Parramatta, Townsville, Adelaide, Hobart, Mornington, Launceston, Canberra, Melbourne, Darwin and Fremantle. They're all coming up this week. There will be a, there'll be street outreach and demo at Swanston Street in Melbourne this Saturday, the 30th of June. That's held by Animal Activist Collective. And Sugarshine Farm Sanctuary is having a volunteer working bee on Saturday, the 30th of June. That's in Lismore, New South Wales. We still need to raise a bunch of money for Radiothon to stay on air for another year to speak out for animals. So please, 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 if you haven't already, or even if you have already, donate online at 3cr.org.au. Your donations are tax deductible, any amount, big or small, much, much appreciated. We still um, have a lot to raise to make our quota. We're also selling books um, by Lawrence Pope, his book, Some Touch of Pity, and Kathleen McLaren's children's anti-viv book, um, anti-vivisection, called Kitty McSporran Saves the Animals. And so the kids' books are $10 and Lawrence Pope's books are $25. And those proceeds will go straight to our radio fund. So please, please, please donate. Uh, now, good time, yeah. Nico, for the song. Cool. What's the song? Yeah, so it's a local band and they're international now as well. Um, the Drones, um, and it's called Sharkfin Blues. And um, it's about a sinking ship and it just mentions, um, yeah, it's just, about animals and sea animals and stuff yeah awesome stay tuned for two o'clock for in see you next week 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.